0: Welcome to the Draft Deeper podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. Technically, my last show that I'm going to do without one of my co-hosts, Stephen Gillespie, coming back on the Draft Deeper podcast to help talk about some prospects and preview the 2023 NBA draft cycle, as well as my new lead co-host, Maxwell Baumbach. He's also going to be on the Draft Deeper podcast from every episode, here on out when we're talking NBA draft, Maxwell's going to be on, Steven's going to be on. We have an excellent series plan to kick off the 2023 draft cycle. But before we get there, one more quote unquote off season episode that I wanted to do. I think this show means a lot to me. It may possibly mean a little more to to the guests that I have on today, but I've been, I've been messaging a few people in, in the DMS on Twitter back and forth over the off season. And I've gotten some questions about any advice that, that I can give anyone who is looking to break into the basketball industry to become a scout, become a better scout. What what are some of the pieces of advice that I can give to anybody out there looking to do what I'm doing as well as what the team is doing at no ceilings. And one of these individuals in particular has already started to make a name for himself. He's starting his own basketball slash scouting platform called on the clock. If you want to follow him on Twitter, his handle is at Caleb Mueller 23. You can definitely check out everything with on the clock there, but most notably he was also just doing a little bit of content with Raphael Barlow over at NBA big board. Raphael posted a video on his YouTube channel. One of the new things he's doing over there on the NBA draft junkies YouTube channel is he's essentially having aspiring scouts come and pitch prospects to him. And Caleb chose to talk about Cam Whitmore, who you will hear plenty about Cam Whitmore in podcast episodes to come on the Draft Deeper podcast. I'm excited to talk about him and and really see what he's going to give us playing at Villanova this year. But I thought Caleb did a really good job with that. And him and I have been talking about doing a podcast for a while, but just given some of the questions I've gotten recently with, with some of the chatting I've been able to do with Caleb, I thought... My last off-season episode, it would be a perfect opportunity to do a little bit of a QA, right? Right. Break away from the usual scouting tropes that we talk about, or I've been doing the, the NBA Young Court deep dive series recently, just break away from necessarily talking about the, the the intricacies of the game and really more about scouting as a whole what it means to, to be in the media industry, how do you grow your own platform, and, and what are some pieces of advice that I can give anybody who's looking to do the same thing. So Caleb is one of the best people I could have on to do this podcast with. I'll stop rambling. I'll stop going on talking. I got to introduce Caleb. Caleb, what's oh, going on, my man? I'm glad you could join me tonight.
1: That was a great introduction. I'm happy to be here. Like you said, um, you know, your show means a lot. Um, to you and this one in particular is a is a cool thing but you know this means a lot to me like I said before we went on there your uh your show is something that I've um you know referred to and keep me going on the scouting stuff you know when you are talking about prospect and stuff like that then I go and look at the prospect and try to form my own opinions and you know merge that with people I'm talking to and yeah so I mean I'm just yeah I'm happy to be here
0: absolutely and I'm I'm excited to have you on as well Caleb and it it Trust me when I say that I've been as honored to go on other people's shows as, as you feel like you are right now. And I, I've certainly shared those very similar feelings. Who would I be to, to not allow an opportunity for somebody else to come on and really have a conversation with me, with me? an open dialogue, right? Where it's, it's not one person being above anybody else, but really, Caleb, I feel like you and I are two scouts that can connect on a similar wavelength, why would I not give that sort of an opportunity to somebody else? I always feel like communication is one of the greatest things that we can have and hold on to in this particular basketball community. And so that's why I, I think it's excellent that we're doing what we're doing tonight. So before we talk and we go into a few questions and answers about some some topics that I know you would like a little more insight on, I want to give you the opportunity, Caleb, to really, I I, I know i, I plugged your twitter handle but really take this time to plug anywhere else that any of my audience at draft deeper can find you at and why don't you tell us a little bit about your story why you're you're interested in the game of basketball why you have a passion for it and why you're starting this new platform called on the clock and really talk to us about what that is
1: so i mean i dropped an article today and um kind of going through like introduction what is on the clock and kind of what that means to me and where i've uh like gone through my process and you know i started playing basketball as a kid as most of us do and it's it stood out as you know one of my favorite sports and you know unfortunately with that type of passion and stuff like that they're in a sport like basketball you can care about it as much as you want watch it and practice as much as you want and if you're not you know if you're not tall then uh you know not i know the feeling so for me that was kind of my story on the playing side and after I was done playing like middle of high school I was looking for ways to stay involved with basketball and I uh, started coaching a little bit and did some coaching work uh, with the YMCA with some of my brother's team my younger brother's teams and stuff like that and really started to get into the mindset of like coaching basketball and what that looks like um, and then I kind of you know moved on from that and I started looking at ways that I could You know, I watch so much basketball that I can start, you know, scouting because it's kind of a similar mindset to coaching and also being like a point guard is kind of analyzing the court and seeing what's going on, making reads like that are just beyond like what's presented to you right there, but the next play after. And I think that that was always something that when I was playing, I was always looking for and just didn't really realize it. And so when I started to, um, you know, look at options. I'd found this school, um, I, I, it's a school, like an online university called Sports Management Worldwide, and they were doing some classes. And I was like, well, this seems like a good spot to get my foot in the door with this type of stuff. I'd already started kind of doing some draft work. I'd found your show around this time and was like trying to get tuned back into the draft. And, you know, I'd, I'd always followed like KOC and uh, the Ringer and stuff like that. So if, it seemed like the next step to kind of, if I wanted to stay in touch with basketball and have it be like a prominent part of my life, I might as well um, give it a try. So I went to, did the sports management worldwide stuff, um, made a lot of connections. And that was the biggest takeaway from that. Um, And that what I kind of realized about this industry and kind of getting into it and you can touch on it and you've, and you've talked about it before and and we could get into it in the Q and a, but it's really about being confident enough to reach out to other people and just have conversations about basketball. You know what I mean? It's, it's really not that difficult to just put your opinions out there in a like a tangible way that people can see it and refer to it and then respond. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. So I started writing about basketball in a way that I'd never really written about it before. And um, yeah, that kind of pushed me to uh, come up with the idea of starting a podcast. And from there, things kind of spiraled. I meet some people from my classes and I pitched them idea that maybe we should start a website and, you know, I I'd done a podcast for the last whole draft process by myself. And, you know, it's fun to talk to yourself, but um, it gets kind of uh, redundant after a while. So, um, (laughs) so I felt like I needed to move on and find something new. So I kind of had an epiphany one day. It's kind of just one of those things where I was like, you have all these people that, you know, that love talking basketball, why not try and pitch them on an idea? So I pitched them on basically the idea of on the clock, which is, you know it started today today's been kind of a long day for me i've been doing a lot of uploading a lot of editing um a lot of article writing and reading and stuff like that and it's been exhausting but i'm i'm so happy to you know talk about now what we're presenting which is kind of like a one-stop platform like media space for basketball content and i just kind of want to it's it's just we're trying to do draft work and, and scout and we want to just find a way that we can present it to people and you know having a website's an easy way for everybody to find what you got going on and you know our, we got our podcast we're coming up with some different series and ideas you know I did I did um approach one of your one of your draft ideas a little bit um the top 25 under 20 players that you did with uh, Pierre And uh, so I I took that idea and did like the composite rankings thing for, and we, we kind of uh, modeled that and we're making content like that. We're just really trying to change up, like making tier lists. Um, I just think stuff that's more casual and then mixing in some of the advanced scouting work um, like long articles and reports on prospects and also like looking um, in the past, like we got, um, we have a really interesting team. You know, it's me, my friend Julian, who I met through, my first smww class um and so we kind of talked for a while and then i'd met this guy quint um, and nate through other classes and other things and we have a very interesting diverse group of philosophies and i think that's the biggest thing that we enjoy about each other and talking sports with each other is how different we all view basketball Um, and when you know when you have a bunch of people that all think very differently are all you know kind of talking in a competitive sense with that draft stuff. It gets really interesting the, and the entertainment values there. So that's really all we're doing. It's a, uh, it's fun though. It's on on the clock, on the clock, And we're posting podcasts. We got one coming tomorrow um, with Erson Demir, who um, I don't know if you're familiar with Erson's work on Twitter, Nate, but he's a, he's a workhorse on that platform for pumping out uh, basketball into insight. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, some underrated and undervalued players going into the next season. So we'll we'll just have a bunch of content and it's really just going to let the content speak for itself.
0: Erson's been on this podcast before and you, oh, you're right. He committed. is, <laughs> he's the best. he he's a great guy. He, he is, he is a workhorse, man. You're, you're not wrong about that one that I feel like every time I go on Twitter, he has about five to 10 different new sets of prospect clips and, and I'm just trying to keep up with some of his tweets. So yeah, he's, He's definitely a good worker in the space. And I'm glad to hear some of that story, Caleb. I'm I'm really proud to see somebody else trying to step into the space and create original content and really build off the idea that it's not just one person that can make a platform or a team like that. It's really a group of people that can make something truly special and unique because you can do some of that idea sharing that you were talking about. And it's great when not everyone has the same viewpoints because you don't have to argue with one another, right? It doesn't have to become like like first take or whatever hot take show you want to throw out there on the mainstream media. It can very much so be just sharing of ideas and having conversations about why you view a certain way about player X or player Y and, and, and what that person is seeing in their evaluations. And Just taking things away and and learning from those, right? Learning from those conversations. It's not always you're going to hear something and immediately you're like, all right, the light bulb when I'm going to agree with this person, you can more so just take those ideas and see when you go back and you do your homework, do you actually agree? Do you see where they're going? Do you still find disagreement? And those conversations, yeah, those, those sharing of ideas, that's really what makes this platform so unique because- I can watch the game of basketball. I I can flip on a a Duke North Carolina game and you can flip on the same game and we can talk about a player. We might've seen different things, or maybe you caught something that I did, not or I caught something that you did. not And just being able to have such an open dialogue, which is especially what's always going on on Twitter, on social media, the draft community is very engaged, very open-minded. Very very engaged. And and that's
1: why I love this space. I really do. It's it's so much more engaged than, um, you know, football and baseball, I really feel. That uh the basketball community is that there's a true culture to it on Twitter and and the platforms like that.
0: Absolutely. So it's it's very easy to find yourself wanting to, to jump into basketball, dive further into the scouting community when there is such a, an open mindedness in, in the platform where you're sharing the majority of your content. So I agree with you hundred percent. I think it's awesome what you're doing and I, I can't wait to see more of what you're doing it On The Clock, Caleb. I'll be following your work closely, and hopefully this won't be the last time you, you and I do some content together. So let's dig into what we really wanted to do on this podcast. So, Caleb, like I said at the top, one of my ideas that I had was just given some of the feedback I've gotten and some of the questions I've been asked why don't we just turn this podcast into a little bit of a Q&A? And so you, you took the opportunity this week to write down some questions that really intrigue you, questions that you definitely want to hear my answer to, but also not just for your own personal benefit, but really questions I feel like you think this will be for the benefit of, of my audience as well as your audience and anybody else out there really looking to break more into the game of basketball, into the media industry as a whole, And I think you came up with some really awesome questions and I'm happy to answer some of them. I'm also happy to turn some of them back on you and get some of your takes and feedback on them as well. Really quickly, before we do that, though, I mentioned that you did that video with Raphael at the top. I do want to ask you, what made you choose Cam Whitmore as a prospect that you definitely wanted to pitch? I guess this can be the quote-unquote preview to the preview, right? The preview to the yeah. 2023 preview on Draft Deeper. Talk to me about Cam Whitmore and why you wanted to talk about him.
1: Well, I mean, the first thing, when I first saw Cam Whitmore a couple years ago was the athleticism. I mean, that his athleticism and his combination of strength with his bounce, um, you know, it gets anybody excited. But then when I saw him again um, this with the FIBA stuff, with the U Americas circuit, um, and uh, – he just shot the ball. Like he just looked like he was so much more confident with the same stroke that I'd seen in the past. And he, he displayed over, um, I'd seen some mid range flashes and stuff like that. And I just think he projects as a dominant three level wing score. And uh, you just don't get a lot of those. And often those are the players that are making a lot of impact on championship teams I've seen. And uh, for me, like, I think that that's a top three pick uh, compared to like the other guys. And that's really where I, where I said, in um, the, uh, pitch with Rafael is when I look at drafts I look at always in relative to the players that they're in the draft class with I never try to get overexcited about a guy and start comparing them to guys in different classes because in reality you're drafting them and compared to the people that he's drafted against and there's no way that um, I would take the Thompsons at this moment either of them over a guy like Cam Whitmore like because I just have faith that over the next year, Cam Whitmore is going to get so much more progression at a university like Villanova, then they're going to get an overtime elite. And then you start comparing him, his game strictly to, you know, guys like Derek Whitehead. And they're just, I, I just think Cam Whitmore is on a different level. The interior finishing package for me is like, I, I just, I just have so much fun watching him play. Like when he's able to just hop, step, take a big bounce and just throw it over somebody. Ah. Oh. Like, I mean, that's what, that's what you love about basketball is it's so physical and there's such explosive athletes and he's, he's uh, one of the most explosive I've seen watching like high school tape. Really.
0: I agree with you. I am incredibly intrigued about his game. And one of the reasons why I asked you that question was because I, I believe one of the first questions you're going to ask me relates yeah. to what I specifically look for in prospects. So why don't you go ahead and, and ask that question, Caleb, let's start talking about yeah. Some, some specifics to scouting yeah. prospects
1: So I said what are the top three traits you use to rate prospects and that can be like for me I, when I think of traits I think of like versatility so that guy's offensive or defensive versatility can play or guard multiple positions the resume like you know if it's a European player like Luca he got now we can start to account for stuff like that you know you get the point physical traits things of that nature.
0: So it, it's very hard, to narrow it down to three things, but I tried. A- and, and I think three things that I've talked about at length on this podcast, when I'm evaluating prospects, I'll just, I'll start it out. The physical tools that that's an obvious one, right? Does a prospect have above average measurables? Do they have that plus three, plus four, or greater wingspan? Do they have plus size for their position? So in other words, if they're, if they're at, One of the guard spots. Are they a a six foot guard? Are they a six one guard? Or are they a six three, six four, six five guard with length, right? Who is able to see over the defense, who is going to be able to better contain matchups on the perimeter because they have the length along with the foot speed and the quickness to essentially play somebody much better at the point of attack? Or if they don't have some of those plus physical tools, if they are a little undersized, if they only have an average wingspan, do they have other difference-making physical abilities to essentially make up for those plus areas that I just outlined? So Jay Nivey is an example of this, right? So he's, he's better positioned as an off-guard right now than necessarily a full-time point guard. So he's 6'4 at the off-guard spot. He does have good length, but what he has in turn is he has game-breaking speed, right? His first step is lethal. He has a lethal first step, game-breaking speed in the open court. He can get to virtually any spot he wants to on the floor at any given moment, and that's an equalizer for him. So if he's being Mm -hmm. guarded by a bigger wing, chances are he can still get around a lot of those guys and he can still get to where he needs to on the court. And in today's game, it's really just becoming a a bigger man's game, right? Some of these smaller guards who don't have that that outlier burst or quickness or speed or awesome vertical to, to essentially get their jump shot off with the right amount of lift to shoot it over some of these bigger, tougher defenders. Those players who aren't able to live up to those physical tools that I'm talking about, they have a much harder time to prove themselves as to whether they're actually going to succeed in the NBA and those physical tools. I mean, that applies to, it applies to wings. It applies to big men. When we talk about foot speed, when we talk about what kind of hands they have, it's not just how tall they are or how long they are. There's plenty of other aspects that go into physical tools, but really that's one of the biggest components I think we need to to start with is the physical tools in terms of measurables, as well as overall athletic ability. If you don't check certain boxes and you don't meet certain requirements, you're going to have a much tougher time projecting them into the NBA, into the next level that they're going to be playing up. So that's, that's really the first big thing. The second thing I would say is, is shooting ability. And this has become so much more important, particularly over the last few years than I think it was in years past, right? Like we could, we could look at a prospect and we could look at their form. We could judge how the ball comes off their hands. Are they straight up and down? Do they not lean back on their shot? Are they balanced when they shoot? We, we, we can look at some of what their form looks like. Is it a repeatable motion? And even if some of the shots don't always go in, even if they're not shooting the highest of percentage, what we could say back then was, well, we're still going to look at what we see on film. and We're going to project that this player is going to shoot. Well, because of what I talked about at first in regards to physical tools, in regards to the size of prospects, these guys are bigger, they're better athletes. They're contesting out on shots quicker. Not a lot of players are getting as many open shots, in my opinion, as they once used to. So a lot more looks are contested, which means that I think it, it, it benefits paying attention to not just what it looks like, but also really the results, in particular contested versus uncontested, situations. And if these guys aren't making a certain percentage of these shots from the perimeter on contested looks, you're not going to be able to sell them as well in the NBA game when the NBA is just clearly going to a different level from a physicality standpoint, from an athleticism standpoint, the game, the NBA game today is absolutely ridiculous, man. Like I'm evaluating some of these prospects to go up to the next level. And I find myself, I'm like, I just come back to, can this guy actually really succeed at the same way in college as he did in the NBA? And there's just fewer and fewer and fewer guys, in my opinion, who are really making starter level cases in college. And and a lot of it comes back to not just the physical stuff I talked about, but the shooting ability. Are they consistent perimeter threats? Are you going to be a guy who... Not only can you knock down open spot-up shots, but can you make those contested shots? Can you come off of movement? Can you come off a screen, square yourself up, turn, and really have that quick trigger to be able to fire up over a tougher or or a bigger defender? Do you have any sort of one-on-one creation ability from the perimeter? Can you create your own shot, and can you get that up over somebody else, and can you do that at an efficient level, particularly in the mid-range? That's one of the best separators you and I know, Caleb, in terms of star potential? Do you actually have that one-on-one creative ability? So you mentioned with Cam Whitmore, the finishing package, which I agree with you 100%. He And and I'm sure I'll talk about that on a future podcast. Some of the things that he can do around the basket because of how athletic he is, because of how much hang time he gets. It's ridiculous. It's unreal. But the first question that Raphael asked you in the video was, do you buy some of his shooting consistency, right? And I I do. I think he's going to project Mm -hmm. to be just fine from three. But if he's not just fine from three, if he's a below average shooter, defenses can sag off him. They can play back and they can limit his ability to get to the basket effectively so that he can take advantage of some of that finishing ability. So you need to be able to bring defenders out to you and you need to be able to make tough contested shots. In multiple situations, if you're truly going to be one of those role players, who's counted on to be a 30 plus minute starter in the NBA. So that's another reason why I would pick shooting ability. And then the last thing isn't, isn't necessarily tied directly to the action that's happening on the court. It's it's not something that's involved in a a certain play type per se. It's not their, their handle or their shooting ability or the coordination. I chose motor and communication really as a package deal. That's and great. I think these two combine enough into one trait for me. And they, they both impact the game because they can make or break any individual player. Is a player actually hustling on a consistent basis? Mm-hmm. Are they getting back on defense? Are they pushing in transition? Are they crashing the glass, following their own shot, following somebody else's shot? Are they diving for the loose ball? Do they play like they actually give a shit? That That's so important when we talk about Motor though it's, it's not that we should look at a prospect and say, because they aren't diving for every single loose ball on the floor that they won't succeed in the NBA. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not bringing this up as into maybe with the physical tools or the shooting ability. If one of those two things aren't there, it can be a, a major detriment. To a prospect's case. I'm not saying a prospect can't succeed in the NBA if they aren't showing some of these things in college or at a lower level in basketball, but I do think it's it's a separator. It can be yeah. an incredibly positive indicator. Like you and, said, and more
1: to be a star, to be a starter in the league, you have to really have a high proficiency in one of the three things that we're talking about.
0: Yeah. And I I think more often than not, guys who play with a very hot motor, they 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 tend to succeed.
1: More often yeah. than not, right? Well, I mean, I'll give, I'll pitch you on another prospect right now, Deron sure. Holmes. This is a guy that, um, you know, he uh, as a center prospect, this class besides wear and Lively is pretty thin. So, uh, and and Wembanja, uh, obviously, but um, Deron Holmes is one of those guys that gives me the the uh, Robert Williams vibes of like where he's such a high motor player um, and communicates so well on offense and does all those like Draymond type, um, you know, screen, re-screen, um, catch the ball on the elbow, dribble, handoff actions, stuff like that. Um, you know, as a, as a player, when I was playing basketball, you know, it's more recent for me, I guess that I just, I always valued myself playing with the high motor. So naturally as a scout, that's just one of the things I, I feel like I have to look for and, and acknowledge when I do see it, um, you know. You don't
0: you don't have to sell me on Duran Holmes, my friend. Trust me. I got good, I, good. I I I got about half of Dayton's team written down as a
1: potential prospect for the 2023 NBA draft. Very fun to watch. Really fun to watch.
0: Day, yeah, Day, Dayton's gonna be one of my best watches, I think, in college basketball this year. I would agree with you. Um the, the yeah, other half to the really
1: high on him. My colleague colleague Julian's really high on Duron Holmes. So well, well will have to you'll have to hear more from us on our own show. But I I think
0: my audience will be looking forward to hearing more about the Durant Durant
1: Home stuff coming soon. Don't worry about it, Nate. We we got it on the way. (laughs) I bet you do, man.
0: Um, And and then the other half to to what I was talking about, along with the motor, is also communication. And and I've brought up this point so many times on this podcast platform, but I, I don't see it stressed enough in some of the circles that you'll see the, the majority of people hanging out in on, on social media or it's, it's not a big thing that i see brought up in a lot of uh, auditory scouting reports written scouting reports but communicative ability i think is so important because you need to be able to effectively communicate with your teammates direct traffic make sure that everybody around you knows what's going on you need to be able to make the right call outs during certain plays, but it's not just in the action. It's also away from the action, right? When a player's talking to a teammate and they're, they're talking about something that happened on the court and they're giving feedback, or maybe they have to take some feedback. Maybe this player made a mistake and they have to, to listen to what they did wrong in order to, to better correct it for the next trip down the floor. They need to be able to take that criticism, receive it the right way and communicate it back the right way as well as they need to be able to obviously make some of those same points to others, but they need to be able to properly communicate with their teammates, not just call them out and and do it in in a negative way, but do it in in a positive enough way to where it it can be received as, as positive criticism, constructive criticism and their teammates can take it the right way to better absorb it. So that there's no, there's no negativity. There's no ongoing negativity between those two guys. They can function on the court and know that the lines of communication are open. There's that trust that's there that comes with just being better teammates. I I could venture to say a a lot of the best teams in the NBA that have built relationships and that have played with each other over the course of a number of years, they have that level of trust. They have Mm -hmm. that communicative ability, ability to where they can turn to each other. They can talk with one another about anything. And they may have some disagreements and some spats every once in a while, but at the end of the day, they can patch those holes up because they can communicate because they trust each other. And that same sort of communication goes with players as well as the coaching staff, right? Like players have to be able to receive criticism the right way from coaches on the coaching staff. And in turn, they need to be able to properly communicate, you know, their hopes for what they want the offense or the defense to look like, or maybe some opportunities where they feel like they should have some more uh, time on the ball or redoing certain things within the course of the game, being able to communicate with everybody else around you to be open, to be positive. That's such an important thing in life. It's certainly an important thing that I found in my workplace and working at my day job, as well as everybody else here in no ceilings, we can all communicate great with one another. And it's also certainly something that needs to take place on the basketball port, court communication, right? So those are, those are my top three standout things that, that I really take to heart when I evaluate prospects and there, and there's plenty more. There's, there's position by position things that I can take a look at, but those three things I feel like now more than ever have to sort of be across every single prospect, regardless of position.
1: Yeah. So that's, absolutely agree.
0: that's my answer to that question. Um, and, and I'm glad that you were able to give some of your insight as to what you look for Caleb as well. Where, where do you want to go next?
1: Well, I had, I had a follow-up question that I didn't even send you that. I Oh, go for it. But you kind of answered it with your last one, which is what, what qualities do you feel get uh, undervalued? And so, I mean, you kind of touched on it with the communication stuff. Um, But then I said, I wanted to know if you feel like any qualities get overvalued by the scouting community.
0: Any qualities that would get overvalued. Yeah. You know, I think the whole basketball IQ phrase, and and I've been incredibly guilty of this in the past. I think sometimes that gets a little overblown and I've mentioned it in regards to defensibility from prospects, right? Like I I think guys going into the NBA are sometimes a little too harshly criticized on the defensive end. It's one thing if you don't see the motor there, right? You don't see the hot motor. You don't see them willing to actually sit down, get in the stance and defend or the willingness to, to do the right things. But there's this, there's this phrase that gets thrown around. And, and again, I've been plenty guilty of it. Basketball IQ, which is essentially saying that we don't think a player is smart enough to operate at a certain level w- within the game of basketball. And I think more often that that's being found to be false and I think it's just because the NBA game is so fast. It's, it's incredibly difficult to process what's going on on the court at the speed. It is with the players that, that are actually playing the game, right? You see all of these guys with incredible size and incredible length, and, and they're moving at the speed of light in comparison to you. And when you're trying to defend and, 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 Essentially, guard multiple positions and, and maneuver yourself around the court. And, and are we switching? Are we dropping? What what kind of decisions are we making uh, 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 on a split second? you're having to do those things at the college level, but it's not quite the same at the NBA level. It's it's a shorter shot clock. These guys are much better at processing the game. They've been doing this for years. You're going up against vets who have been running the same plays out of the playbook. They've been playing with the same players. They know what to do and they're going to do it quick because they know how to do it so effectively. And you're a young player coming into the NBA. You're trying to figure everything out on the defensive end, first and foremost, you're, you're trying to just figure out how to be a professional, right? And there's just so much that can be overwhelming for a rookie or or even a sophomore still trying to make their way in the NBA. And young guys are going to be bad at defense. They're going to make mistakes. There's going to be lapses, but the most important thing to come back to, it's not that we should say that they didn't see what happened and, and they got they got the blinders on and, and therefore the because they can only look at one area of the floor right now that they don't have a high basketball IQ they're not able to process everything I think that's the that's the wrong way to go about it and that's something that I want to get away from using a, a little bit right I, I, I think that we could technically use that sure but when you get more practice playing at the NBA level and you just have more time to where you've seen more things and you know how to react to more things. I think we, we start hearing the basketball IQ thing brought up less and less the older a player gets in the NBA. And therefore I think we, we need to retire it a little bit in in regards to the scouting community, particularly on the defensive end. I think these kids just need to have the chance to play against better quicker, faster competition and to take their lumps and really learn something from them. It's not that they don't have that IQ or or, or that, or that smarter or or that ability. It's just that they haven't seen a lot of this stuff yet at the speed that they're used to. And, and they just, they need to learn from it. They need to go through it. So that's, that's really, I think something, I, I think one phrase that that's been overvalued in the community and myself included, I think we need to turn away from it just a little bit. What do you think about that, Caleb?
1: Yeah, I, <clears throat> I get what you're saying. I definitely don't. I think in the past people have buried, like you said, defensive prospects for a lot of like their lapses when, you know, really guys are, um, you know, you look at the guys early on in their career players like, I don't know, I mean off the top of my head like Mo Bamba really with this physical tool should have been a much better defensive player off the jump and um, you know, he just needed some adjusting and need some, some time to adjust. And they kind of, I mean, the magic didn't really give up on him, but I mean, they kind of gave up on him. They didn't really, um, push to him up to those minutes and they looked to acquire other big men elsewhere. So you get players like that, not even just draft prospects, but I think, um, with the defensive stuff, especially with the IQ and just learning how to play the game. Um, I think a lot less players, especially young players should get buried or traded and given up on, um you know, because they're not able to adjust a guy that I'd like to see really turn his career around um, is Marvin Bagley. Like that's a guy who, you know, he has got all the physical tools in the world to be an impact player around the basket um, and just kind of hasn't really figured out where his uh, main area of impact is. And I think if a guy like him, um, you know, gets in the lab, watches, watches some film figures out his positioning Um, you know, works a little bit harder on the defensive end. He could carve out a nice career still.
0: Marvin Bagley is an interesting reclamation prospect uh, project that's going on right now with with the Detroit Pistons. I've talked with him uh, with coach Bryce talked about Marvin Bagley plenty. I I'm curious to see where his career goes next and, and to see if Detroit can unlock more of who I thought he was before he came out of the draft, which was, Um, a pick and roll big man right not 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 a corner spacer not somebody who you want playmaking or doing things off the dribble with the ball in their hands somebody who can be an efficient and easy play finisher and be more effective in transition really put them in more of a north south role than than anything else and i i don't feel like the sacramento kings
1: yeah go ahead yeah, I just like you said. I just felt like he really could have been a better used as a rim runner and used to push pace instead of have the ball in his hands.
0: No, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And so I'm I'm curious to see where where his trajectory ends up as we go through this next season with him and, and the Detroit Pistons. So, what's your next question, Caleb?
1: Um, I think that it's it'd be good to move on since we're kind of talking about how um, like people can improve and progress with IQ. Like, what are your strategies this, uh, to improve as a scout? I guess like that's kind of a broad question, but like what areas um, have you kind of reflected on? I know that you touched on and I'll say for myself as well, big part of, um, you know, taking some time away to from doing podcasting every day and, and stuff like that and kind of just taking time to reflect is looking for ways to improve and, and get better as, a, as not only a basketball viewer, but as a critique of the game and its players. So I was curious if you had anything that you're looking to improve.
0: So some advice that I can give in terms of improving as a scout, I wrote down a few points for this. So my first one was never stop asking questions and sharing ideas and observations with others. If, If you come into a game and you sit down to, to watch a prospect or study a few prospects, and you think you know everything about that player's game, and you think you know everything that's going to happen on the court, that's when you can really lose yourself in the evaluation, right? And, and that, that's what you don't want to happen. You always want to be asking questions. You always want to take a new perspective into every game you watch, every player you study. And sure, certainly to, to ask why, but really to continue to be open-minded and to always look for answers to things that you might not have even thought you would have a question about. Just stay open-minded when you're asking. And then when those questions do come up, ask those questions to yourself, but also don't be afraid to share those ideas and ask those questions to your peers. And and you were talking about that earlier, Caleb, one of the things that that you've learned is certainly to network and really be able to share your ideas with, with others who have similar interests to yourself because that sharing of ideas is when we can get better, right? Different things can be identified to us. And in turn, we can sit and reflect on those and think about why, why didn't we see the answer to that question before? What, what was stopping us from, from seeing that answer? Maybe it was something completely new to us It gives us an opportunity to learn. But n- never sit down in, in front of a game or, or at a game and think that you have all the answers yourself. Always, always be ready to, to learn new information, always be ready to ask questions. That's definitely something that I want to prioritize more of again this year, as I really try to do every year, but, but still coming into a new year fresh. I, I, I've seen a lot, but I certainly haven't seen everything. And I never want any sort of arrogance like that to, to take over any sort of my scouting evaluations, right? I always want to come in new. I always want to come in asking questions and I want to be open-minded. And along with being open-minded, another important thing that goes along with that is don't be afraid to be wrong and change your evaluation as you gather new information, right? I think think anchoring bias is, is a topic that's talked about plenty on social media. Definitely don't remain... Handcuff to an old opinion when you learn new information you see something different and you recognize a new opportunity for a player that you didn't think was there before don't don't just hold on to your old opinions and think oh well well this this player only made you know this many jump shots in, in like one game right and it's a very small sample size take take everything that happens in front of you and every single thing that you see and add it to your database of information. Go back, study those things, learn why that might have happened in that particular game. What were the context of those shots? Did he get more open shots than he was used to? Um, Did he just have a, a really good night shooting contested shots? Like, Go and examine every single thing and take everything as a data point. You don't need to overvalue certain things more than others, but be able to take everything as a data point, and especially when things show up in front of you that could prove an original point wrong, don't just dismiss those to hold on to your original thought or your original notion, always be open-minded and willing to to change your evaluation as you gather new information. Um, Another big one for me is to study the trends of the level ahead of the current one you're evaluating to get a better feel of what's important and necessary to earn a rotation spot in the level ahead. So if you're scouting for the NBA and you're watching a lot of college games, don't just completely throw yourself into the world of college basketball and ignore everything that's going on in the NBA. It's important to try and find a healthy balance of studying both levels so that you're very aware of what's going on in the, in the NBA, what are the trends and how can some of the players in this upcoming draft class better help teams, um, succeed. In, in in following where those trends are going. And, and I think that's something I've talked about that on this podcast platform as well. But something I really want to prioritize and emphasize more going into this next draft cycle is to not spend too much of my time in college basketball to keep watching the NBA, keep familiarizing myself with roster constructions, what teams are going to be looking for in the draft, what are their needs. And that only makes me a better scout in turn because then I can properly identify which prospects might be better fits elsewhere. You know, which prospects have these certain tools that maybe at one time weren't always important with where the league was, but given where the league could be going, maybe they could have a new role in the NBA. Maybe they have a chance to actually get drafted because they can play a role that's more important than it used to be. So that's, that's certainly something that I'm looking to to emphasize for myself a lot more this year and then the last thing Caleb that that I want to to say to answer your question is basketball isn't just numbers or models or measurements and I think when you remember that point as a scout and you use it to bring yourself back to the the motor point that we talked about earlier or the communication point that we talked about earlier players are people too right so finding out information about them as people when, when you can is so important to completing an evaluation, right? Like heart and spirit drive athletes like the rest of us in life. And those who are playing the game for the right reasons and deeply care about who they're playing with. Those are generally the guys who you see who are going to come out on top. Just like that, that can absolutely be the case and in every aspect outside of sport as well. So I think talent is important, but there has to be more than, than just for more than that for a player to reach their potential. Right. So
1: I think, yeah, I mean, when a guy looks like he's having fun playing basketball, he's a more fun player to watch. That,
0: <laughs> that, that is 100% the case all the time. So I think that might've been another answer to one of your follow-up questions. Like what, what do I feel is undervalued in the scouting community? Just remembering that basketball players are people too. And it's important to try and, and, find out some tidbits about these guys or have conversations and, and get to know some of their aspects about them besides just what they do on the basketball court. There's always information to be gathered that can swing an evaluation one way or another. And just remembering that, I think is a simple thing to, to help, help oneself improve as a scout, something that's a little bit off the board that you might not think about when you're just popping on game X or game Y when, when you're watching some film. What, what do you think about all the answers I just gave?
1: Great. I mean, I, they're the same answers that I would give, honestly, Nate. I, I mean, not not exactly the same. I wouldn't word them all the same, but um, same building blocks. I mean, for me, I think, um, especially as I've uh, grown up and ju- playing basketball, and now only just recently really started to look at it as a scouting um, from the scouting perspective and kind of putting on that lens. And it took a while, honestly, to be able to start watching the game like that. But I'd say that the number one thing, like you said, about like heart and the motor and And stuff like that I just think that that's that's the most underrated aspect and it kind of segues to the other thing that I wanted to ask you about which was some of your favorite draft prospects ever but I'll I'll say for as far as it goes from some of my favorite players that I like to watch and have have fun and have improved my love for the game it's it's I have a huge infatuation with like high end role players like I I love the sixth and seventh eighth guy Um, those are my favorite players because I feel like those guys more or less um, make up um, really the heart and soul of your team. Guys like Matthew Delvadova, Tony Allen, and Alex Caruso, most Spates, like Reggie Evans, guys like that that bring um, either, you know, you see it more in like the 80s and 90s where guys had to be like physical enforcers on the court when the game was more physical. And um, I think today um, there's less players like that, but I think you have bigger personalities because media is such a prominent thing. And uh, I think trash talking is probably more of like um, a prominent thing now than it's ever been. I just think it's like really kept kept in the low. But I mean, you, people get clips of crazy stuff that's had said during games. But I mean, I want my players to be in the ear of the other team, letting them know, um, you know, what they're gonna do to them before before they do it on the court. Like I, I want I want my guys that have to care about winning. Um, and to care about passion and they want and because when you build your locker room with those players the expectation that those guys have in their head um, and you know it always brings me back to reading Michael Jordan's book and reading about him and Steve Kerr how they fought at practice and it was because Steve Kerr was saying to Michael Jordan that he was dogging it at practice and like Michael Jordan was like you can't say it to me I'm Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr, you know, like said some stuff, and Michael Jordan punched him and left. And you know, if that team won a championship, um, I mean, like you kind of touched on, and it kind of reminded me of the Warriors teams. Um, you know, they bend and break throughout a season. Um, like you look at um, the uh, the Bucks more recently, and there, some of their season to scenes and turnarounds where they just have these dramatic. Implosions. You know, I'm a Bucks fan from Wisconsin, so you we see these dramatic implosions from in their Eastern Conference fi- uh, finals against the Raptors, and then we just turn. They turn around and and regather. They went back and learned some things, and they communicate with each other and pushed each other. And you see, Giannis is one of those guys like a Michael Jordan who maybe does his leadership in a different way, um, but. When you, when you put locker, guys like that in your locker room that want to lead and want to push others to be great, that's when you get really great team basketball, and that's when the game's at its best.
0: I agree 100%. You, you perfectly illustrated my, my prior point of communication, which also obviously flows through everything I just talked about with, with improving as a scout. And, and yeah, it's, it's different examples of leadership. There, there, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? There, there's more than yeah. one way to get a job done, Giannis, Giannis is a, a little bit of a different leader. He's a very vo- he's a vocal guy. He's an incredible yeah. communicator. He just does it in a different way, but he still rallies the troops and, and, and gets everyone together around him to fight for the same goal which is to win an NBA championship. And if you have a whole locker room filled with those guys, imagine how much more successful your team can be when you're all able to, to communicate with one each, with one another, to effectively get your points across, each other, not just yeah, to be honest, be honest, to be transparent. Like imagine how much better your, your team can be when, when it's filled with all sorts of players who can do you that. Trust, one you thing. trust
1: each other, when you, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Nate. No, no, go ahead. Well, I mean, when you trust each other on the on and off the court, and you can have these good uh, verbal communication, this is the biggest thing that I think when you look at a team like the Warriors and why they're so explosive offensively and and just as good on the defensive end is because they have so much chemistry with each other that their non-verbal communication, like, is is impeccable. I mean, they don't have to say anything to each other, and they'll and Steph Curry will go exactly to the spot on the floor that is open, and Draymond Green will find him. And they're, they know where each other are going to be. And when you have that type of trust in your teammates, you can create beautiful things like that. You know, you look at the Spurs teams, you know, that I grew up watching in, in 2013, 2014. Um, those teams with Tim Duncan, Kawhi, Tony Parker, Manu, um, Boris Diao, um, you know, Patty Mills, all those teams, Gerald Green, or uh, Danny Green, they all had great nonverbal communication. we were able to work as a cohesive unit all the time. Um, and I just think that that's another thing that comes with that communication.
0: No, I, like I said, I, I agree 100%. It's such an important part of the game. And I don't think enough real people realize that it is such an important part of the game and to everyone out there listening and, and they're, they're hearing us give like 10, 15 minutes worth of podcast to the, the topic of communication. And they're, they're looking around, they're thinking, well, if I'm just watching games on tape or I'm watching a game on TV, how am I supposed to, to notice these things? And you, you just have to keep your eyes peeled, right? Like obviously the camera isn't going to show you everything on a television broadcast that, that you and I are talking about, but there are, there are things that you can pick up there. There's times where you can observe players having conversations on camera. You, you can certainly observe any anytime the camera pans to like a timeout, a team huddle, you, you can pick up, uh, on certain things uh, yeah, and you, you can, can turn your turn your eyes to the sidelines it's not it's not always in person but but there are things that you can pay attention to on film
1: well when you're on television they'll give you moments where they'll still show a player showing emotion you just got to take what you can get for it is that for the camera is that does that look like he's you know he's genuinely fired up and and then you can see like the communication between each other the biggest thing that i look for is how do guys react to be taken in and out of the game and who they're yeah. playing with at certain Big times one. I think that that's super important to look at bench players, especially young bench players. Does a guy, um, you know, when he first comes into the game in the first quarter of the second half and off the bench and he, and he gets it going, and then the coach takes him out maybe a little bit sooner than he thinks, and he comes back in and just, you know, is kind of average, it, it, maybe that can paint an error to you in the back of your head. And, and it just gives you more information. There's more things to infer from and be like, you know, maybe – Maybe he doesn't like that situation there. He wants to be playing more. This guy maybe has a higher ceiling and is just not showing it, and, and you know, just isn't in the right situation. And there's there's different things that you can work through in your mind as a scout um, to check boxes for. Because uh, I just kind of I kind of keep like a checklist in my head. I don't know I don't know what you do in your head, but when I when I think about prospects, I'm just like, oh, this guy's got this aspect, this aspect, and this aspect. If a guy's a good teammate and and things like that, I like to make sure I note those when I when I'm watching the game
0: whether you're taking mental notes or writing notes down, always take notes, take detailed notes. I can't can't stress that enough for for any scouts who are looking to, to get better at this. You're not going to remember every single little thing from watching a game when you're trying to recall it all back. If you take detailed notes of not only just the result, but what happened to lead to the result and you do that for every single play that happens throughout the game, you're going to have so much of a deeper understanding as to what actually happened in that game. And you're going to be able to read it and recall it and remember it and being able to call upon those certain details when you're in the midst of an argument, or you're trying to, to make a pitch for a, for a player present a certain prospect's case, those are the kinds of things that can separate one scout from another. So that's, that's an important point as well. Not, not directly related to what we were talking about, but certainly an important point nonetheless, but yeah, you and I, Caleb, we just shared some, some good thoughts about things and, and, and certain things you can watch and, and look at when you're watching a game on tape, but obviously it all comes back to the networking point. It comes back to building relationships, cultivating relationships, uh, being able to talk with people who you trust, right? To, to get these certain pieces of intel that can help better shape your opinion, right? For better or for worse. Sometimes it's, it's not always positive, but you need to be able to develop and cultivate those sources, net, network, build those connections and get yourself in the gym. Get yourself to games, get yourself to practices so that you can observe all of these little things, right? Like I don't go to a game, just to specifically see what's going to happen through the course of it and and, and to see you know what this play looks like or, or see the result or I come to see a prospect. I'm, I'm looking forward to scouting. I, I need them to have this, this awesome 20, 30 point game. That's not why I'm going to the game. I'm going to the game to get there, to watch warmups, to watch these interactions, to try and network and meet people. I'm going to a game or a practice to do all of the things that I can't get from the tape. If I want to watch the game, I can pull up the game. I, I have access to any game at any time virtually. And that's so easy for even 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 the, the the guy, the, the scout who's just starting out, they can have some of the same subscriptions that I do. They can watch film at any time. That's not why you go to the game. You go to the game to get an understanding about everything else that, that's going on. So that's that's another piece of advice I can give young scouts is to not only get in the building but get in the building for the right reasons. Don't just mm-hmm. go there to purely sit in the stands, watch the game and think that you're going to come away with this amazing, you know, rocket brain idea of like, oh, well, I saw this in person. So it's going to change my life. Every time I watch their film from here on out, it should be to watch the warmups, watch how they interact with their teammates, notice how they interact with their coaching staff. How do they carry themselves? What's the up routine look like? And then, talk to some of the people who they're talking to, try and talk to a team manager, try and reach out to a video coordinator, try and reach out to a coach, get into a practice, talk to some of these people and and build real relationships with these people, right? Actually try and build friendships in this community, but then also be able to have conversations about prospects and learn more about them, learn more about them as people and further your understanding about the game and, and, and take away some real things from those relationships And those conversations and it's it's when you can when you can build out that network and and you can have so many trusted sources in in the game of basketball people who you know you can lean on people who you can talk to at any given moment about anything that's what makes the game so great that's what makes this profession so great you never know who you're going to run into you never know who you can have a conversation with but as you said earlier caleb just having the confidence to go out there and have these conversations and, and make it happen and have the have the belief in yourself that you can talk about the game with, with anyone at any time. And you know, you 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 know that you have a certain level of understanding about the game. You're open to learning more, but that you have the confidence that I'm just trying to get better at this. I don't have all the answers, but that doesn't mean I can't have a conversation with so and so because they, they might know some things about basketball that I don't. That that's not what any of this should be about. It's about going after it. And understanding you're passionate about the game and you want to do every single thing you can to improve 1% every single day. And so that's why really one of the biggest things I can pitch on improving as a scout is what we've talked about, Caleb, it's it's the communication piece, but it's also just the belief in yourself to to go out there, live to your passion, know that you're doing what you love, and letting that be what carries you through basketball, Not, not, not the end result.
1: Yeah. I mean, isn't that what it's about? Isn't it? Cause we love this game. I mean, that's, that's exactly what, what it's for about. Me. I have such a hard time. I've so honestly, I, I have such a hard time the last like two or three days, not just like, like tweeting on like the stuff, like where I'm starting to promote the stuff I've been working on for like the last two months with my friends. And we've really been pushing each other to crank out stuff. That's, um, you know, quality. Like we don't want to just half, half asset. That's not what we're about. Um, so you know when we're pushing each other, and you know it's been kind of weighing on us. Um, so for us to be at this moment, where now we're like, okay, let's open the doors, let's let's reveal everything that we've been cooking up. And it's, it's just hard not to be like, man, I just love basketball. And I did just the, the last couple of days, it's been hard not in every tweet to just be like, I love basketball. This is so fun. Like I can't believe that uh, I'm really like pursuing uh, my passion like that. And and I think that anybody. Um, who's interested in really like pursuing that passion, um, you know, reach out to me. Like my DMS are open on Twitter. Like I've, I've amounted to nothing I've drafted. I've did one cycle of scout work, but um, I think that I've, I've, I think I've tapped out into a couple of things that from learning from people like Nate, learning from people like Raphael and other people in the community um, about what it takes to, um, you know, not to be the best, but to just want to improve every single day. Um, you know, and that involves watching basketball. Um, and, and for me, that's a, that's a dream come true.
0: It's a passion. It's absolutely living up to your passion. And by the time everyone out there listens to this podcast or is listening to this podcast, we will have already published a piece on those ceilings, Just, just a very short piece this week, but really emphasizing the greatest lesson I've learned in basketball, which is to find your passion, fall in love with the game and let that continue to be the guiding force. Behind your work. Don't look for the clicks. Don't look for the money. Don't look for, for the results. Because if you're only looking for those things, there's going to be other people out there who may have more success than you do at any given moment, they might be getting attention that you're not or having conversations that you're not and if you're, if you're not waking up and doing this every day for the soul, the love of the game. You're going to find disappointment in other areas in in your professional life or or in your basketball life. That that's just the way that it is. And I've seen some people on social media lately who have felt a little bit discouraged. They don't feel like they're they're standing out from the pack or sharing any new information or or new ideas. And the the reality is, I say things on this podcast that that certainly may not be new or original, but that's not what it's about. I'm doing this. Everyone at No Ceilings is doing it because. We love it. And because we're going to continue to keep doing it, we don't we don't care ultimately what the end result is. Do we all want to be paid and and working in jobs and basketball? And do we want to make this our careers? Absolutely. Of course, that's a big reason why we're doing it. But really, the the biggest factor behind the podcasting, the writing, the media, is because we just love basketball, man. And we want to keep talking about it and we want to meet new people and we want to share those ideas we want to get better. And if, if you, if you lose track of that and it's okay to, because I've certainly lost track of it at times as well. And in doing this for, for two plus years, this podcast, but really trying to, you know, get better at scouting. I've, I've been in pursuit of a career in basketball for a decade. It's, it's been a long enough time for me and I haven't stopped. I've never given up because I just love the game that much. And so that, that's what I would tell anybody out there listening to this podcast who has felt discouraged, who, has thought about stopping creating content or, or taking a break, and it's okay to take a break. But don't ever just stop, right? Don't don't give up if you truly have fallen in love with the game. Let that love carry you over the course of your career, and you'll be amazed where it can take you. I've been amazed with in, in just the, these two years, and just even this one year with with us forming no ceilings. I've been incredibly amazed with the journey that we're already on. And we're not even close to to being where we want to be or where th- this journey is not even close to being finished. And yet I'm amazed every single day. So just let that passion, let that love for the game carry you to new heights. I, I don't ever want to see anybody who I know who is in the content creation business to, to not create content anymore. I want everybody on the platform. I want everybody to have a voice because the more people I can share ideas with, the, the better I can get as an evaluator. And hopefully I can help someone else get a little bit better as an evaluator, just sharing a different viewpoint or, or a different opinion and, and having a conversation with somebody. But most importantly, encouraging everyone else out there. I I, I, I truly love the time that, that I get that I can share with others and, and I can encourage others and hopefully inspire somebody else to, to start their own platform like you, Caleb, or, or to be a better scout. That's, that's what all of this is is really about and i want to see everyone succeed i want to see everyone thrive it's a big enough space we can all succeed we can all thrive if we all just work together and we all combine to embrace the love that we all have which is for the game game of basketball that's what it's all about
1: i couldn't have said it better yeah i absolutely agree and uh i mean it's experiences like this where it shows that there's people out here that are um you know, people like Nate that really want to help you, uh, improve and, and, and are always looking to provide, uh, their insight, whether it's basketball related stuff or career related stuff. And I mean, that's why I really just, you know, I, every day, like I said, I love basketball and this community is is awesome.
0: So Caleb, I think you had a question written down regarding some of my greatest hits. And yeah. Misses. I want to, I want to hear, I want
1: to hear, I want to hear <laughs> you brag about some of your, uh, big swings here.
0: So my greatest quote unquote hits and misses, I actually wrote two previous columns. They're up on NocillingsnBA.com. One of the fun offseason things I did was I, I revisited some of those. I would say yeah. my greatest hits that, that I thought about um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Donovan Mitchell were two of my most fun hits that I think I've had in scouting. And it's because I was so genuinely curious about both of their games that I took the time to study the film. And sometimes I didn't understand what either of them were doing on the court, especially SGA. And I've talked about this in podcast form as well, where SGA is just just so slithery. He's so smooth. And some of the things he does, you, you can't fully put it into words, but you know that the end result happened and it looked good. And he made so many of those plays in high school when I was watching his high school tape. When he was heading into Kentucky, he did the same thing at Kentucky. When he got the opportunity to have the ball in his hands more, and he really shot up. And now he's he's one of the most improved players in the NBA. He's one of the more complete three-level scoring guards in the NBA, in my opinion. And and really the same thing with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell came into the NBA. We thought he was going to be a different player than what he was now. He was improving as a shooter, but he wasn't a great shooter when he came into the NBA, right? We he was he was more known for attacking, getting downhill, using his his athleticism to finish Mm -hmm. at the basket and then he was known also on on the defensive side of the ball as well and and i still would still like to think that he can show more of that defense and more of that's going to come out with with his new role with the cleveland cavaliers but he's become really a perimeter based scorer, and he's improved leaps and bounds as a shooter what's crazy was I went back and I watched the film and it, it, I never thought that he wasn't going to be a good shooter because of the way his form looked and because of how he projected and in big games, when he did hit a number of perimeter shots in a row. And I just, I went back and I remember thinking in that draft class, the same with SGA, like I can go through all the boxes that that I have in a list, kind of like what you alluded to earlier, Caleb, and I can check every single box and I go back and I'm like, what's going to keep this player from succeeding? In the NBA, like how is this player going to fail? And when you run into prospects like that, sure, the, the case might not be as clear for one as it is for you. But w- when I can actually go through and I can check off all of those check boxes, and, and the, the case just seems so obvious to me. And then when that player actually goes into the NBA and it turns out they're not just hitting on a role player level, these guys are like legitimate stars in the NBA. Of course, course that makes me feel good about myself as an evaluator. But in in my mind, like I didn't do anything special. I just, I I looked at certain criteria, how I evaluate guards and they they checked all the boxes. And I I just, I I had a feeling that they were going to be really successful in the NBA. And it turns out they are that that hasn't worked for every single prospect I've evaluated. I have, I have misses. I wrote about like 10 plus misses in a column on, on no ceilings NBA a few weeks ago. It doesn't work every time, but the, the, those two guys in particular were just an example of they did enough things while well in the court to where I just, I didn't see how they would fail in, in the NBA. And that's what, that's what drove me being higher on them than consensus. And it, it's worked out pretty well. Um, who who are some of the guys who you've been higher on who, who have worked out, Caleb?
1: So I'd say most recently um, I was really, this is what kind of got me inspired into like maybe taking a, a deeper look into scouting is when I, I actually started to watch more college film and find some under the radar guys. Like I just basically done most of my scouting up to that point through NBA 2k and like the draft classes. And I would just like, look and see who's in there. Like, Oh, familiarize myself and then watch them in real life. But and it was the first time that I went through and actually looked at college rosters and been like, Oh, this team performed really well in this area. I wonder what impact players they had there. And Trey Murphy III was um, one that really popped out to me. Um, and then I started following his individual player development. Like, just – he 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 trains prominently with, the, like, the Miami Hoop School. So they put a lot of the stuff out on Instagram in the offseason and stuff like that. And I, so I'd, I'd been keeping up with a lot of that stuff. And then when I finally got my hands on <clears throat> Synergy um, right before that draft, I went on there and was looking at some of the shooting stuff. And I was like – this guy can just shoot the cover off the basketball <laughs> and his jumper is so good. And it's, it's so clean and pure. He's got, he's got that nice uh, long arm. So he kind of gets like a good slingshot going with, 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 with kind of his style, but it's, it, it's very, uh, very smooth, very quick. And I was like, Hmm, that guy looks like he could be a lethal like catch and shoot player in the league. And um then with the other stuff with then where the individual player development that i'd seen go in so i can look at the synergy stuff and say yeah, obviously everybody knows this guy can shoot but i knew going into it that this kid's got bounce like he's got like a 40 inch vertical and and can yam on people and it's just a matter of um, him getting the confidence and adding some of the handle stuff um, to be a more prominent three level scorer possibly um, at least inside and outside. I don't uh, the mid range stuff. I'd still just think because his jumper's so good that I've I've seen him just hit countless. I think the, the my question is, does he develop like a fade Because he's so lengthy. I think that if he if he started to develop a post game, he'd be dirty. But that's that's my player development plan for Trey Murphy. But he's a guy that I've uh that I've been really excited about watching, especially in summer league. You know, I know that you've said on here that you have to be weary with summer league stuff, and I've always kind of kept that in the back of my mind, even before I'd heard that from you. I just, you know, it's summer league. It makes sense that a a guy who is a top, you know, 20 pick, um, you know, coming back in his sophomore season does really well in summer league, but it was the, some of the on ball dribbling stuff that I'd seen um, like him in workouts doing like, you know, a little cross, cross between um, get a guy on his hip and then bank, bank, bank off the glass in the mid range. And I was like, Oh, okay okay, so here's the development that I'd seen um, on my own time, and I'm now starting to see to work, work some of that stuff into his game to pair with – you know, he is a dynamic athlete. He had a bunch of posters, uh, dunks, that were going viral at the end of the season as well as being um, the best three-point shooter out of all rookies. So, I mean, as far as my stuff now, that, 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 that's really my only hit. Um, but um, I will say that in terms of college college hits – I, um, I was, I was really, really um, high on Johnny Davis um, two years ago when he came in and um, to see him kind of turn his, his stuff around here at my alma mater at Wisconsin, it was really cool. And uh, to see him be a top 10 pick a top 10 pick out of Wisconsin, you know, we haven't really had any of those besides like Frank Kaminsky. So it's always <laughs> fun to see that.
0: John, Johnny Davis
1: was, was a hit that
0: I think is, is shared amongst the, the no community. Very, very much so, and we we wish nothing but the best for him in the NBA. I, I don't think summer league is an indicator that Johnny Davis is going to suck in the NBA. I, I I will just say that I wouldn't be too worried about some of the summer league stuff. I think Johnny Davis is going to be a fine player in the yeah, NBA. I think so hopefully he, I think that he has be everything a miss. that you
1: look for in good combo guards. I think he checks all those boxes for for guys who can have combo guard impact at either the one or the two.
0: My misses, my my greatest misses. I would classify those as Tyrese Maxey and Josh Jackson for for different reasons for each. But Maxey really, I I had questions about the shooting with Maxey. I had questions about the scoring efficiency. I had questions about if he was a real point guard and I had questions about the defense. So those are very important characteristics in particular for a lead guard where I had question marks coming out. And I wasn't sure if he was going to to answer the call and, and really answer those questions for me throughout his NBA career in terms of being a full-fledged starter in the NBA. But why he will be my greatest miss in my scouting career is because I, I pride myself on – Every single thing that I've talked about in this podcast, every little piece of advice I've given, it really comes back to to communication. It comes back to character. It comes back to work ethic. It comes back to all of those things that matter off the court. And Tyrese Maxey, we knew at Kentucky, he embodied all of those things. I knew that he embodied all of those things. And yet I still let some of those other questions really hold me down and say, no, I don't think he's going to live up to his potential, even if he works harder than virtually anybody else in his entire draft class. And lo and behold, Tyrese Maxey, a few years into the NBA, he was one of the best three point shooters in the entire league by percentage last year. So that along with his killer speed, along with his improved finishing, along with his improved floater game, he's not a he's not a great passer. I don't even know if he's, like an above average passer, but but he's certainly at an average level at the very least. And I think he's on his way to being a good passer. So you just, you throw all of those things together and improve three level scoring attack, being one of the better shooters at the guard spot in the entire league. I don't expect him to consistently hit that efficiency bar year after year, but the fact that he can be a 38 to 40% three point shooter, that really changes the game for him in, in a drastic way. And I think he'll continue to improve on the defensive side of the ball, and he has a ceiling. I don't know how high his, what, how high his ceiling is at, at this point. I, I really don't know how much of a star he can become in the NBA, but I'm fully bought in. I'm rooting for him. I'm proud that he's proven me far wrong. I had him ranked in the twenties. You, you take him in a redraft. He could go as high as like three or four in a mm-hmm. redraft in, in that draft class. So Maxi will be my greatest miss. And then Josh Jackson, is is a lesson learned when I came back to what I said earlier about always being ready to change your evaluation based on information that you get new information that you get there were enough positives that that spoke to me about Josh Jackson's game when I watched the film but there are also plenty of other red flags both on the court and off the court in relation to Josh Jackson I stuck with my opinion that I thought before the year that that I really thought Josh Jackson was going to be the best wing in the class, that he was potentially deserving of a number one overall pick if everything came together for him. I hung too hard on that opinion and I ignored all of the other red flags that were saying that it's going to be a little more difficult for him to reach that bar than I might have initially realized. So for two different reasons, those would be my two biggest misses and I don't really think either of them come back to it's it's just all about the basketball that's being played on the court it comes back to some of the other things that that we've talked about with scouting tonight that those are two prime examples where I've learned two massive massive lessons uh, uh, about scouting what, what are your thoughts about those
1: Okay, so I, since I haven't been, you know, tracking as much of my stuff in terms of, like, where I ranked guys, I, I thought back and, and my, I went back and did some basketball reference, made sure that the years are right and that it was about the time. But when I first really started getting invested in college basketball it was around, like, 2012. And um, a, a couple of years later, UNC was – they had some pretty good teams like Marcus Page. And, but one player on that team that I thought – of above all was like oh my gosh this guy is like the next great NBA role player was Bryce Johnson and Bryce Johnson like I saw him play and I, I remember this is when I have like this is why I learned that you can't evaluate players off of when you see them in one single game and I guess this is where kind of like I started to my first time learning as a basketball scout I guess was you know this guy can rebound against this one team like I think he had like I think it was in the the tournament as a whole. I saw him playing like three games. And um, I I remembered I was like telling all my friends, like this guy is going to be the next best player in the NBA. Um, And it was Bryce Johnson. And I didn't do any um, sort of forward thinking about like, um, you know, draft prospect age, things like that matter. So I, I don't really have a good one, but that's like kind of my first one that I can remember where I was like, all hyped up about a guy and it just i i clearly missed the entire evaluation um aspect of it
0: no i i think that's a good example as well and it's it just goes to show that we all have hits we all have misses but at the end of the day if if that's all you make it about you're not going to find the same level of fun and 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 ultimately the level of success you want to have in the game if you don't embrace all of the hits all the misses and you bring it yeah, back to big. why am I doing this? Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent.
0: So Caleb, that's going to do it for, for this episode of the draft deeper podcast. I'm, I'm so thankful that I was able to have you on and we were able to have a conversation that wasn't just, what do we think about this player's jump shot? We did a little differently tonight, but I think all in all it was great dialogue to have. And hopefully other people out there listening we're able to take something away from it. Um, and, and and I think that you're, you're an upstanding individual, Caleb, you're gonna be a great scout in the community. I can't wait to see what you keep doing with On The Clock as you move forward. Any other parting thoughts you wanna give my audience before we close this one out?
1: Um, I just wanna reiterate how thankful I am with the opportunity for, um, and uh, thankful for you, Nate, for sharing your platform um, and uh, producer Kevin for sitting here with us. Um, And uh, so I just, I just want to reiterate that. I think that this was super insightful. I definitely still learned a lot from this conversation. Um, And I, I think the more that people in the basketball community um, take the approach of um, not spamming um, opinions and things of that nature, but actually taking the time to talk with each other about how to actually improve and have conversations more like this with each other. I think only good things will happen.
0: I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm trying to do more of that each and every single day. We all we all make mistakes. we all have lapses in judgment. but if we, but if we learn from that and we come back to approaching all of this for the right reasons, trust me, it, it'll continue to be a much better space for everybody. So thank you so much for the kind words Caleb and and for the kind words towards Kevin. Kevin Black, my my absolutely goaded producer in this space. Draft deeper would not be what it is w- without his help. So a sincere thank you to Kevin as well. The biggest thank you as always to my audience, the, the, those who listen to the Draft Deeper podcast each and every week. Thank you so much for doing so. If you aren't subscribed already, make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Please make sure you're following me on Twitter at Draft Deeper to get updates about the show as well as anything else I'm doing in the space. And make sure you're following No Ceilings at No Ceilings NBA on Twitter and make sure you're subscribed to the sub stack, noceilingsmba.com. We are not too far from being from flooding the community with plenty more 2023 NBA draft content. The floodgates will certainly open up soon enough, but they will be opening, as I said at the top of this podcast, in a few weeks. I will have Steven as well as Maxwell on the, the big three As Hunter Cruz dubbed us on social media earlier today. Shout out to Hunter and all the amazing work that he does on this platform, both in the NBA draft space, as well as uh, covering the WNBA. You, so Hunter's the best. So thank yeah, you. He's
1: going to be on our show. He'll, he'll be on our show here in next week.
0: I need to have Hunter on draft deeper. I, I, I yeah. approached him once like like a while ago about it. I definitely need to have Hunter on Difference this platform. I, I was, I was sure. shocked.
1: I was shocked. Um, um, with his uh, with his intellect and, and his uh, historical knowledge is quite fun to talk to him.
0: No, Hunter's a great guy. So uh, another thank you to him for potentially giving us a, a new nickname on the Draft Deeper podcast. But thank you again, to everybody out there listening. I will be taking next week off. We'll be back in essentially about, about a week and a half to two weeks with the first episode of us covering the 2023 NBA draft cycle. I, I cannot wait. I'm so glad... It's, it's fall, it's Labor Day weekend, it's, it's the turn, the NBA season's almost here, college will be starting up right after that, I got football going, this is my favorite time of the year, so I'm all jazzed up to keep talking hoops with everybody out there, but until we meet again on this podcast platform, thank you all for listening, I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.